somewhere in space. This may all be happening right now. Welcome to Star Wars at the Movies. Star Wars. Star Wars. Star Wars. At the Movies. An international oral history of cinematic experiences from a galaxy far, far away. I've seen Star Wars about a dozen times. I've seen Star Wars 17 times. 17 times. Star Wars? Uh, 24 times. 40 times and it was great each time. 45. About 57 times. You can never get too much of Star Wars. I... I've seen the first Star Wars 153 times. All together, we have seen Star Wars 324 times. We've been here for six days and it's great! Hello there. Welcome to episode two of the Star Wars at the Movies podcast. Sequels are always a bit of a gamble, but the enthusiasm from this show's guests has had me feeling pretty optimistic. My name is Stephen Danley, and though this podcast's cinematic journey began across the pond... In this installment, we'll be hearing from a first-generation fan from the U.S. of A. But first, let's get a taste of what Star Wars-crazed moviegoers had to look forward to in the summer of 1980. And now, preview time. The Empire has been repulsed, but this one defeat will increase its determination to crush the Rebellion once and for all. continuation of the Star Wars saga, the Empire strikes back, and Luke, Han, and Princess Leia must confront its awesome might. In the course of the Odyssey, they travel with their faithful friends, droids, and Wookiees to exotic worlds where they meet new alien creatures and evil machines. confrontation between Luke Skywalker and the master of the dark side of the force, Darth Vader. Luke Skywalker, Princess Leia, Han Solo, C-3PO, R2-D2, Chewbacca, and introducing Landau Calrissian. Continuation of the Star Wars saga, The Empire Strikes Back, coming next year. This first teaser trailer for The Empire Strikes Back, which you can watch at a link included in the show notes, was apparently first shown to the film's crew at Elstree's Administration Theater at 6.30pm on July 4th, 1979, along with a showreel of the work in progress. The screening was followed by a buffet at the studio restaurant, where Mark Hamill recalled that, quote, some of the crew had just enough to drink so that they got very, very honest. According to Jonathan Rinsler's The Making of the Empire Strikes Back, it cost $12,061.45 to produce, and presumably ran in theaters over that summer. Its distinguishing characteristic is that it relies almost completely on vivid production paintings by the legendary concept artist Ralph McQuarrie. 
renderings of the new exotic worlds, alien creatures, and evil machines, though the AT-ATs are conspicuously nowhere to be seen, are, are dynamically presented in a series of rapid cuts, zooms, and rippling effects, with the stately narrator informing viewers what was in store for them and their heroes the following year. His voice sounds like it could be straight out of a 1930s radio adventure serial, and with his pronunciation of Lando's name, I can't help but imagine an alternate reality with Martin Landau playing the Baron and Scoundrel of Bespin. I like the concept and the idea. I like the idea of the moon being a colony. Without any actual footage from the film, the trailer is still incredibly engaging, and I can only imagine how frazzled its viewers' eyes must have been trying to soak it all in on a big screen. And with the only true glimpse of what to expect on screen being a quick set of still photos of the principal characters, it raises so many questions, which is what a good trailer really should do. On the other hand, it's interesting that the pivotal plot point of Luke and Vader's quote-unquote awesome confrontation, while it had to be expected, was spelled out so clearly. It's almost more like an internal studio pitch that moviegoers were privy to. And all in all, I'd, I'd say this is one of the most unique trailers for any of the films, and I'd be really curious if anyone is aware of other movie trailers that relied so heavily on production artwork to reel in the public. Staten Island has, in fact, been the forgotten borough. Now that we're back stateside, we'll be taking the Verrazano Narrows Bridge, or the ferry if you prefer that method of transportation, to Staten Island, New York, for a Star Wars story that began at the Fox Plaza Theater in the summer of 1977. The New District venue had originally opened as a top-rate single-screen cinema in April 1966, with the showing of Disney's The Ugly Dachshund, with none other than Joan Crawford as a special opening night guest. And it just closed its doors in January of this year as the United Artist Highland Plaza 5. In commemoration of its shuttering, a piece from silive.com covering Staten Island movie fans reacting to the theater's closure comments that, quote, By many accounts, it was sort of a dump. But the UA Highland Plaza was their dump. This episode's guest Sean Moynihan is even quoted in the article paying his respects, remembering, quote, how god-awful hot it was that day while we were sitting in a freezing, air-conditioned theater watching the Hoth scenes when he saw the Empire Strikes Back there for the second time. As you'll find out, Sean's been an avid Star Wars fan and collector from the beginning. A career journalist, he currently serves as editor-in-chief of National Underwriter Property and Casualty, a respected PNC insurance trade magazine. And to date, he's won nearly 20 journalism awards. I first met him through the vintage collecting community about five years ago, and I've been lucky to consider him a friend, so I am uh, thrilled to have him on the show. But before we hit the feature presentation interview, a bit of additional historical context to help set the scene where Sean's story takes place. First, the Fox Plaza Theater. When Star Wars had its 20-week run there in the summer of 77, the theater had recently been twinned, with a second screen added in 1975. It was shut down from 1988 to 1993, reopening that year under the United Artists banner with five screens that would run until its recent demise. You'll also hear mention of an Amboy cinema in Menlo Park, New Jersey. As it turns out, the theater in question is actually the now-demolished Menlo Park Twin Cinema, where The Empire Strikes Back opened its 23-week engagement on May 21, 1980. There's some great period photos of the Menlo Park Twin from cinematreasures.org that I've included in the show notes. In particular, there's one that seems to have been taken from the backseat of a car in the parking lot with the marquee that can be seen through the front windshield with Empire listed along with All That Jazz, 
However, some Jersey wise guy delinquents appear to have artfully removed the J. But not to neglect the Amboy, it was a multiplex that Sean also frequented that was situated about seven miles down the Garden State Parkway in Sayreville, and it had its own breed of miscreants. A thorny New York Times clipping from 1991 describes the theater as residing in a suburban wasteland, noting that the lobby plants are wilted, the floor is a bed of spilled popcorn, Chipmunk's Christmas album is playing, Mobile is advertising House of Weenies, New Jersey-specific Bruce Springsteen prints in the gallery. On a stormy, forbidding weeknight recently, a car was actually on fire in the shadowy far reaches of the parking lot. Cops with walkie-talkies melted around. I shouldn't say this in front of anybody, said one agitated officer to a manager, but your customers are really stupid. They're all coming up to look at the car. You got really stupid customers. Ah, Jersey. Anyway, on to the feature presentation with Sean Moynihan. And now for our feature presentation. and I grew up here in Staten Island, New York, where I've lived most of my life. Um, I have two siblings, a younger brother and a younger sister. We're all five years apart. Um, and uh, when I was growing up around here, the, my interests were, you know, typical interests that, you know, most New York kids would have, you know, like just I, I went to the movies, uh, went to the movies a lot with my dad when I was little and, and one of, one of the things that, uh, we really enjoyed together a lot was, uh, sort of the old time monster movies, particularly, uh, like the Godzilla movies and, uh, like the King Kong movies and things like that. We, we really enjoyed doing a lot of that together when I was, when I was really little. And I mean, that's like my early, some of my earliest memories are, are when I was like five or six years old. And, uh, and we would go see, you know, we would go to actually go to a theater and there was a, a place called the St. George theater, which is, uh, now landmarked here. It's a big, beautiful theater that, uh, that at the time was, uh, back in the seventies is kind of a mess, but, but we would, we would, we would go there a lot and, uh, and see, you know, old, you know, runs of like Godzilla films and stuff like that. And we really enjoyed that a lot. And that's, that's actually around the time I, we first became aware of Star Wars. I don't remember seeing the trailer with him, although it could have happened uh-huh. that way. But we, I remember we both were aware of it about, I guess maybe about like five months out or so. And, yeah. and when, once we became aware of it, we both said, oh, this, you know, we have to see this. You know, we, we were really excited about, about going and seeing it together. Mm-hmm. And, um, and then, you know, it, it's, it's, I know it's, it's tough to imagine a world, you know, without 
Star Wars in it, you know, for, for people who, <laughs> who grew up, who were fortunate enough to grow up in an age where <laughs> Star Wars was always there. Yeah, it's incredible to think like there. I remember like when Jaws came out and, and uh, my mom telling me, you know, when I, I was like, you know, five, you know, and her telling me, you know, no, you can't see that. It's too, you know, it's too scary for you. And, uh, and she was probably right. And, uh, it, you know, you, you grew up in that era. I remember, vividly remember a time before Star Wars, you know, existed. And then I, I, it's funny, I, I, I like to say my life, I, I could have divided my life into, into three parts <laughs> before I saw Star Wars, after I saw Star Wars, <laughs> and after my son was born. So, it's, yeah. you know, it, it was a, a, a huge milestone in my life. And, and, you know, we're in, like I said, I grew up in Staten Island, so it didn't come here until July. Oh, okay. So it stayed more more in the city, New York city proper before it made its way to you. Yeah, probably. And at that time, you know, I was small enough that I I wouldn't have probably wouldn't have gone to the city to, to see a movie anyway. So, you know, when, when I, uh, when I knew when I found, when I heard that it was finally coming here, it started at uh, a place called the Fox Plaza Theater in the town of uh, Newdorp here in Staten Island. And it, like I said, it started in July. And the, the Fox Plaza Theater, it opened in 1966 here. And it was, uh, it was mostly first-run films. And then when Star Wars opened, uh, actually, my dad got sick and oh. was, was, yeah, was, uh, was hospitalized. And um, my aunt... My aunt Lynn actually took me to see it for the oh, for the first okay. time, and and that was uh, it was just a transformative experience. I mean, th- imagine seeing Star Wars at at, at age seven, <laughs> and just, it just blew my head apart. I mean, I, I could I couldn't believe how you know just an incredible thing it was that I was witnessing at at that age it just had a profound effect on me and the one thing the the biggest you know takeaway that i had from it was i i came out of it just believing that anything was possible now was was the was the biggest lesson to learn you know at that age just it just your whole universe was just completely expanded you know and um what's funny is i the day and i remember this I, the day that we went to see it i had gotten a um a coloring kit that was like it was two. I think it was only like two or three big, you know, black and white uh, pieces of line art that that came with like a a, a pack of of markers. Markers, yeah, yeah, right. And right. I, and and uh, and I, I remember it was Obi Wan dueling Vader on the Death Star, and that and I remember I vividly remember like coloring it that day and having no <laughs> idea like who these characters are. You know what it is. I I want to say the other one was might have been a Dubak and a uh-huh. Stormtrooper, but um, but yeah, I, that was my very first Star Wars collectible that I ever got. <laughs> and that, it was before you'd seen it. <laughs> yeah, and and I had gotten it like that day or the day huh. before. We 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 bought it in Kmart, and uh, when uh, when I went to see it, when I went to see the when I saw uh, a New Hope at at, um, at the Fox Plaza, they they had the the program. It was like the first edition. I know they did like a second printing. Yes, where yeah. The, where the uh, cover is a little more like marble, marble. Mm-hmm. Right. But I and they had the program 
at the theater and I had to have it yeah. right, before we yeah. left. And it, and, I, and it was $5. And I got it and, and took it home and just, you know, devoured it, you know, over the next couple of months. And just – and you went to school after that and just more and more kids started to see it. Mm-hmm. And I just remember being like the one kid in my class who was just completely obsessed <laughs> with, with Star Wars for yeah. years. You know, uh-huh. people people who know me from grammar school, like, you know, who, who I see now on Facebook all the time, like, you know, they know that I was that kid, you know, that, that who still <laughs> loved Star Wars and was that kid all through the, you know, 70s and early 80s. Yeah, from the beginning. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Um, so what was, uh, I mean, you, you kind of touched on this a little bit, but your initial impressions of the movie and also just how the the crowd, if you remember how the crowd at that screening reacted. The wonderful thing about seeing the star Wars films in the theater growing up with them at the time was the crowds were so much more into it because, and and that might've just been because the movies, the experience of going to the movies was, I think a lot more of a tribal experience back then, you know, in the seventies and eighties when, when you didn't really have home video, you know, so the only way you were going to see a movie with other people, you know, aside from like, you know, watching one of the planet of the apes movies on TV, right. (laughs) Is it would be to, to go to a theater and see it with other people. So yeah, I remember when we saw it, I mean like the whole, the whole place laughed and cheered and, you know, was just in awe Mm -hmm. of it the whole time and, and would, you know, like when the Death Star explodes at the end, you know, the whole place cheers. And it was it was um, it was an experience that, you know, it was very, it was very it was a visceral experience, mm-hmm. you know, like to yeah. be there and, and have, you know, have people react to it alongside you. Yeah. You know, and, yeah. and the, that's the best, you know, cheering I and mean, people I, I, I don't you don't see <laughs> sometimes I feel like I'm the only one cheering, <laughs> you know, which is at 47 is kind of embarrassing. <laughs> <laughs> like when yeah. I saw Rogue One, uh-huh. you know, it was, you know, it's, it's, you know, when you, when you, when you, when you cheer, when, you know, when Gold Leader comes on the screen <laughs> and you're the only one in your row, you know, who does, it's kind of yeah. embarrassing. But back then it was, it was, you know, it was naturally part of the movie going. Yeah. Well, that, that's, a lot that's funny. Yeah. I, I, that was the first thing that I had noticed as being different. I, I mentioned this in the, in the teaser episodes that that was the first time I had ever witnessed people in a theater watching a movie audibly react and usually it's just kids watching whatever it was we were seeing at the time but to see this whole swath of people show emotion outwardly while a movie was running it was i'm like whoa this is something else and it's just nice to kind of get a little bit of what that was actually like in the in the initial going because i could only imagine if it was like this when it played at some random screening in 1992 it, seeing it in its heyday must have just been something completely different yeah, I mean, I, I have very, very, very clear memories of, of seeing, you know, all three films and, mm-hmm. and having people be, you know, very, very into it. In terms of, of Staten Island, was was the Star Wars mania pretty prevalent there growing up? I mean, it seems like it, it was everywhere, but I'm, I'm always curious how, how the movies affect a particular place where someone's growing up. It was it was pretty much omnipresent mm-hmm. at that point. I mean, Star Wars, when you were living in 77, 78, you know, it was just absolutely everywhere. You, you went back to school that fall and just everybody had like, you know, I went to Catholic grammar school and you had you had you had like, you know, your textbook covers, you know, everybody had like Star Wars book covers. 
and and uh, you had to use you, you had to use these uh, you know black and white uh, notebooks or otherwise everybody would have come in with you know Star Wars notebooks. You know? Right, it was just right. Star Wars was just just every way you looked, every way you went, it was there. I mean the the the, the Miko um, you know Star Wars song was like you know, yeah. constantly on the radio. Yeah, you know, that summer it was just it was just Star Wars just took over the world. That year was just completely inescapable, which was yeah. fine by me because I, <laughs> I just wanted to immerse myself in. I mean, when I saw I saw Empire in. in in uh, you know, in 1980, when it opened mm-hmm. at uh, the Amboy uh, Cinema in uh, in Menlo Park, New Jersey, my uncle Mickey t- took me to that one, and uh, I remember there was a lot of signage in the lobby. There were a lot of a lot of displays, a lot of you know, there was, there was like a banner in the you know in the in the lobby of the theater. I remember mm-hmm. that, and they did have the the magazine that was out on newsstands at the time was was being sold there. Which yeah, the which, official collector's edition. Yeah, yeah. Which yeah. of course I already had. <laughs> and then, yeah, before yeah. I saw the film, I remember they they uh, they had that stuff available. And what what, what uh, unfortunately what I had done is back then the 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 Marvel adaptations came out right. You know. A month before, yeah, so, yeah. <laughs> so of course, after I saw a New Hope, I like just I would rapidly consume the you know the Marvel comics, you know, and uh, just couldn't wait you know mm-hmm. to get my hands on on a new uh, Marvel comic. And mm-hmm. so of course, I was already in in the rhythm of of you know consuming those and reading those every month. So by the time Empire came out, I go to the comic shop. Well, actually, it wasn't. It was, it was a place called Paul's Sweet Shop in 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 Staten Island, and, and they had like you know, it was like sort of like a soda shop that had uh-huh. like tons of comics and magazines <laughs> and stuff like that. You'd, yeah. you'd pick up Starlog and and famous monsters and you know stuff. I you know I, I would drive my family crazy, you know, like to <laughs> to, to take me there and, and pick up stuff. But uh-huh. but I I go there one day and I guess it was April of eighty, and I walked in and. There's, it's like a, um, the first one that came out was like, it was like a digest size, uh, Marvel comics adaptation of the movie. And I just, and I went, oh yeah, <laughs> you know, try, try, you know, I, I think not even thinking like, wow, I'm going to spoil the movie for, for myself, but you know, I, and I read the whole thing and, and it's funny cause the, the Vader reveal didn't really hit me. Uh-huh. You know, like when I read it, I went like, cause it happens so fast you're, when you're reading the comic, especially right. you know, 10 and I'm reading it and I, I got, I got past that. I'm like, I'm like, uh, yeah, okay. Yeah. I'm sorry. <laughs> and, and like, I, it didn't really register, <laughs> you know, and it certainly didn't have the same, you know, cause I think there's only like two panels on that page and that's one of them. And okay. Like, oh, okay. okay. So if I remember correctly and, <laughs> and, and I, so I went and saw the movie and that scene has this like incredibly powerful impact and i and so that even though the reveal i knew what it was it wasn't spoiled for me yeah that's that is interesting i hadn't even thought about that i wonder if it was almost purposefully subtle and not not given too much attention that's 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 a good point yeah Yeah. it's very it's very like yeah the panel itself it's like vader just holding his hand out casually 
you know, saying like, no, I, you know, <laughs> I'm your father. And, it, and, yeah. it's, and where, you know, where you kind of gloss over it when you read right. it, you're like, yeah, oh, yeah, whatever. But then like you see it in the film and it's this bomb moment. Huh. But, um, yeah, so that was, that was, uh, that was really something. And the Yoda in that adaptation, and I know it, it changed several times in, in reprints and, and, um, the individual issues afterward was Yoda in that version doesn't look like Yoda at all. Oh. Um, it doesn't look like the screen Yoda. It doesn't. Okay. And that, in that first adaptation, it just looks like this, you know, it looks kind of like, it, it's more like the, um, the early Macquarie okay. drawings. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I you think know? I, you know, I think I've seen this. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's more you, you see it change like yeah. every time that it's reprinted or you know um, even like I said in the single issues of the Marvel comic that came out from the subsequent like from I guess from May or June on it was like you know six months long but yeah it it, it didn't look it, it it looks very different um, in subsequent releases so when I saw Yoda I was like oh. I was like, oh, okay, that's that's totally not what I expected him to look like at all. So again, I lucked out, you know, that wasn't really, you know, doesn't look like Frank Oz's Yoda at all. So yeah, that, right. that luckily that that wasn't spoiled. Jedi Master Yoda, you seek Yoda. You know him. Mm. Take it to him, I will. <laughs> yes, yes, but now, obviously. With with the program, that was your that was your first instance of really wanted to take the movie home with you. But what your interest in the merchandise after that, you know, and in addition to the comics, were you were you completely immersed in anything you can get your hands on? I loved I loved the Marvel comics. Um, you'd buy, like I said, you'd buy Famous Monsters magazine and yeah. uh, and Starlog were like the two big ones that, that, that you would, you know, get a lot of uh, news from at that time. It's, 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 it's wonderful to think that there was a time where like, you know, you could break news in print. Uh-huh. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. And back then that was like, that's what you'd read, you know, mm-hmm. if, if you wanted to, you know, and, and a lot of other kind of one shots that, you know, that, that came out along the way. It was only a couple of years ago. I finally picked up the star Wars album, which is, mm-hmm. which is great. Escape from the garbage dump and reach the safe rebel base. I remember the uh, the Escape from the Death Star game was one of the only things that was out mm-hmm. for for Christmas in '77. And right, and I think right. The following year, I remember the um, I remember the early bird kit, mm-hmm. and and my mom telling me, you know, that's that's a rip off. <laughs> <laughs> I want to say I want to say it was like about ten bucks. Oh uh, yeah, back okay. Then. And you know, I and I saw it. I, I remember seeing it in in Sears. Mm-hmm. You know, and seeing it on the shelf, and 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 my mom saying, "No, you're not, you're not, you're not, uh, you're not buying that. We're not, we're not, you're not getting that for Christmas. That's junk. By the time your birthday comes, you know those those toys will be out. You know, and uh, and and she was right. You know, but by the time my birthday rolled around, that that was when you know when the figures first came out. Yeah, which was just, I mean, to to be, you know, eight years old and. and playing with Star Wars figures is just, you know, just cherished childhood memories of, you know, growing up with those toys. New from Kenner, from the Star Wars collection. One of my favorite memories is when I was, when, uh, was April of 1980. One day we had to stay home from school because, uh, there was like a chemical fire out in Jersey. Yeah. And and it was like one of the only times like in all of going to grammar school that we had to stay home from school. And we did. And, I went to Toys R Us with my Aunt Lynn again, thank you, <laughs> that day. Yeah. And 
I remember we walked into Toys R Us and I walked down the aisle and right there on the shelf is uh, is the first wave of Empire figures. Oh boy. It was like yeah. brand they were all brand new and I remember going home that day with and I could only get like I could only get two. So I'm like, <laughs> oh, what do you go home with? Right. So I said, yeah. all right, I'll take the Han Haas and uh the Hoth Rebel Soldier. I took those home that yeah. day and that was like just one of the <laughs> one of my best days. Yeah, no, it's it's just it's really interesting to think about the the kind of synergy with the toys and and the films coming out because that's it's all I mean it's starting to pick up now again with with new movies coming out but for the longest time that connection was just wasn't there and um, yeah it's it's fascinating to to really see how intertwined they were. Once um, kind of got the ball rolling, the, the the two experiences were really inseparable. Yeah. With you know, Return of the Jedi coming out, was that kind of synergy? Was it really apparent to you as a as a kid? Yeah, I mean, by by the time Jedi came out, everything was really at fever pitch because you know when we were growing up and we'd read about this stuff all the time. Like you knew there were always rumors of of nine movies, right? But, but you knew that you know through more news reports at the time that like this was going to be it for a while. So there was this huge, huge buildup to, uh, to Jedi mm-hmm. wanted to come out. And, uh, but, and when I saw Jedi, I was ready because the fir- when at the third time I saw Empire in the theater, mm-hmm. by then I had gotten, um, a micro cassette recorder. So, and, uh-huh. and people who, people now who don't know what that is, imagine like a tiny little cassette that went into like a Walkman type device that was, yeah. that was equally small. So the third time I saw Empire, I, I snuck this into the movie and I recorded the audio. <laughs> for the whole, like, for the whole, whole film? For the whole movie. It, uh, it was like two hours. The yeah. tape was, it was like just enough because it was enough. like two, two hours of tapes. So yeah, like an hour and each time. I forget. I, I, I want to remember now what scene it was where I had to flip it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but but, but uh, I, you know, flipped the tape. So for, for like another what three years two right. three years i would like i would lie in bed at night and listen to the the audio cassette of, uh, of empire and uh, I would that's just, fantastic you know, and i would just imagine like what it looked like and everything else so no, um, it, you really i think you must have had to appreciate the the chances to see star wars movies because it's just you know I thought about this a lot too. I mean, growing up for me, it was all it was all pretty readily accessible. I mean, I, I had the VHS tapes and wore them out to death. But to imagine not really having that there, I mean, it's just great to like see stories like this where you have some ingenuity that really kind of gets gets you by. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's, that, that's all we had. We yeah. had that that I had that, and I had you know the the, the Marvel adaptations were like mm-hmm. were all you had. Yeah, to get you through years, three years, <laughs> right? Know, in yeah. between movies, that's that seems unfathomable now. Yeah, you know, but like we really had to wait three years, you know, mm-hmm. in, in between films, and that yeah. like you did what you, whatever you had to, to to sort of fill that gap. If you were like a, a fan who just couldn't get enough of Star Wars, there weren't really a lot of outlets. You, you mm-hmm. had the, you know, that's why I love. I, I have such a, a deep love for the Marvel comics because 
you know, they're not, you know, quote unquote canon, right? And, right, and I, right. And I think we kind of, there was always this kind of understanding, <laughs> this unspoken understanding growing up that yeah. it wasn't canon. When you, yeah. you start, you, especially you start to get into like the hoojibs, you know, and stuff like that. <laughs> right. Where you're going, right. You know, this is, this is, I can tolerate this because I love Star Wars, but it's kind of silly. And, yeah. and, and I, you know, but, but uh, yeah, that, that's, that's, that's all we had. The movie real science fiction fans have been waiting for. I remember in 82, it was either late 82 or early 83, going to the Fox Plaza Theater just to see the trailer for Revenge of the Jedi. Yeah. I, I had to go see a movie called uh, The Deadly Spawn. <laughs> if you ever, if you can ever look that up. And I think it also goes by the title Attack of the Aliens Deadly Spawn. First, there was the invasion of the body snatchers. Then there was Alien. Now comes the return of the aliens, the deadly spawn. Because, okay. You know, right. Because it's the first already... one, was, I guess, was the first title, I guess, wasn't explanatory enough. So, right. You know. <laughs> so uh, can you picture like, you know, an argument somewhere like in, you know, in, in the studio saying, no, no, it's not. It's not idiot proof enough. To make it more obvious, but I and God, it was one of the Steve. It was one of the worst movies I've ever seen in my life <laughs> to this day. Oh, that's that's great. Let's so, attach the Jedi, the the, uh, the Jedi trailer to the Deadly Spawn. At least, at least, there's some kind of sci-fi connection there. there there's yeah. a thread of connection. But I'm, I'm curious. Do you remember how how you found out which? film that the trailer was going to be attached to yeah it was in, it was actually in the newspaper it was oh it was, okay it was um yeah it was a, a small you know it was like in the staten island advance actually where i worked for 11 years oh okay and uh they they had i remember seeing an ad on the movies page and it was like a little like corner of the you know the ad for the daily the, the deadly spawn right right and there was like a little tiny corner ad of it, you know, a tiny corner of the ad saying, you know, see, see a special preview of Revenge of the Jedi, you know, <laughs> like, you know, in the corner of it. And I went, oh, yeah. I was like, yes, oh my God, yes, I'll sit for the worst movie ever to see that, you know, because yeah, you yeah. didn't have it. Like, that, that was the only way that you were going right. to see anything from, you know, Revenge yeah. of the Jedi. And you know, you know something that remains my favorite show. Revenge of the Jedi, coming next summer to a theater in your galaxy. Jedi, I saw in in North Carolina. Oh, okay. I was, I was waiting to. I was waiting. It's funny. I remember remembering remember this now. Back, so I was thirteen, and uh, I couldn't see the movie until and the movie was already out. You know, the reviews were out and everything, and people I knew had seen it. But yeah. I couldn't see it until I got my report card. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's that is a that is a, a tool that I think is universal in terms of parenting. <laughs> so, so yes, yeah, so I had a I had a I had to wait until I got my report card, and okay. and right after I, I graduated from grammar school, we I, we went out to see uh, a family trip to see my aunt Jody, and, and we went to we went to a theater, like a local theater, and I remember. Um, I went with my uncle and we walked in and we were and we were late. So of course we walked in like right when you know the droids are talking to Jabba and okay. I'm like, oh we were late. Yeah. We missed the beginning. But again, I had read the Marvel comics. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, a 
couple weeks prior. So I and but this time, Steve, I I did I did myself a favor. I didn't read the last two pages. <laughs> That's discipline. Wow. Because yeah. I and it, I don't know how how, how you could have done that. Killed me. <laughs> how and I was like, no, I'm not going to ruin the end of the end of this movie. I'm going to see it, <laughs> you know, in the theater. So I was yeah. able to. At thirteen, I, I had that. <laughs> that that is very impressive. I, I think if it was in my possession, there's no way I could have stopped myself. Oh, yeah, that, that's that's great. So you know, um, so I saw it there, and again, brought the cassette recorder. So when we yeah. got home that night, I just you know I yeah. listened to it. I think when we got home that night, I listened to it at least. I listened to the whole movie at least once when we got home that night. So, so in between the, the main releases, did you ever get a chance to go see when they were theatrically re-released? Or did you only see them when they're in their regular run? I think I saw... I must have seen the re-release of Star Wars in 78 because I remember, I remember seeing the first theatrical teaser for Empire. The one that, the one that Harrison Ford... Is narrating, it's, yes. Is narrating, and people right, don't know right. that's Ford. A galactic odyssey against oppression. I, actually, I remember seeing all the... I must have seen the re-releases because I remember seeing both uh, Empire theatrical teasers. Yeah, that's um, that's one thing I was thinking about. If I was growing up at that time and I caught wind that one of the movies was back in the theater, even for a brief time, I would have just badgered my parents because <laughs> you just have to think that the, the desire is probably i mean it's just crazy to think that i mean with these days it's just so easy i mean there, there's mm-hmm. no there's no patience really required anymore so i, I really respect that um yeah. from yeah. that from that original star wars generation it's always been there so we had to wait you know and that was that was when the holiday special was was on tv it was like that was a seismic thing. Like, like we're gonna have something Star Wars on TV, really? Right. You know, and, and and we just, you know, and that's. I mean, of course, the holiday specialists. You know, <laughs> it's like, you know, it's it's kind of like the ring. You know, that, that we're like, you know, the the tape that just is just makes you want to kill yourself. That yes, just, yeah, <laughs> that circulates. Uh. You know, that. Star Wars fans are, are, are masochists at heart. We can have a good time, can't we? Oh. My only other vivid memory of, of Star Wars on TV was there was one Saturday morning back in you know back in the seventies. You had these incredible you know Saturday morning cartoon lineups where you yeah. would just sit. You would get in front of the TV by like eight in the morning. And you would sit there for like four hours, just just <laughs> just watching cartoons and and eating your cereal. And there was I remember when the first theatrical re-release, they ran spots like commercial spots for Star Wars, like every single commercial break. <laughs> so <laughs> it was this glorious Saturday where it was just where you saw these you know commercials for the re-release all yeah. morning long I, I wonder if anybody else you know remembers that but you know so you just you That's took funny. what you could steve it's hard um, to reach your star wars saturation point when you're eight years old that is absolutely true <laughs> um, yeah. that's, that's, that's true how have the, the star wars movies maintained an influence on your life and and what part have those you know original movie going memories played in that 
when I was about 14 in 84 was after all the hype and all the, um, you know, excitement around Jedi died down. I was at the perfect age where I was like starting to discover, you know, other things, you know, (laughs) you, you get into, you know, starting, starting in high school and you, you know, you're into sports and, you know, you start, you know, that was when I first started, you know, getting into playing music and, you know, and there's girls and there's, you know, booze and, <laughs> and girls and, and, and you, and you, you know, and I, I, you know, started playing in bands and, and like that. And, you know, I, I never stopped loving Star Wars, but I feel like I just sort of forgot about it, mm-hmm. you know, like it, and, you know, you, you just, it, it, it's not like a lot of us made a conscious decision to say, you know, I'm putting all my Star Wars stuff away. Now it just sort of like faded into the background because then you then you were into like hard driving adolescence you know, yeah, at that yeah. time and you, and you're not really thinking about the things that you um, cherished so much as a child anymore and uh, I just sort of you know went through high school and I joined the marching band and had the time of my life doing that and uh, I, I say you know I, when I say booze earlier I meant that was more of the marching band years that was <laughs> that was not at 14 that was yeah uh, you know, that was at 16 and uh, <laughs> it um, you know and you, you just your life turns you know your attention turns to other things and and it did for a, a long time and and Lucas was smart you know to to you know, sort of put Star Wars on the shelf, really. Yeah. I mean, for the most part. I mean, you have, right. the, you know, the droids and Ewoks cartoons, but, you know, when you're 14 and your hormones are raging, you know, watching <laughs> watching the droids cartoons is not really at the top of your list. No, you know? no. So, you know, I just went on and lived my life and, you know, did other things for a good long time. And, and like I said, I never stopped loving it. It was just not, not something that was, that was really top of mind. It, it just wasn't present anymore. Uh, it wasn't even, I was aware of Heir to the Empire, but I, it was more, um, it was more of Steve Sansweet's, um, from concept to screen to collectible that I saw that in a bookstore. I remember seeing that in Walden books for people who remember Walden books. And I just, I was, I just said, what is that? Because it's the, it's the Vader case, you know, it's right. completely iconic, right. you know, a brave design choice uh, in, on their part to, uh, to, to put that on the cover with no text yeah, at all. Definitely. And, uh, I, I just, I grabbed that and I just, and I couldn't believe that there was a new Star Wars, new book about Star Wars toys. And that just completely like started turning the wheels again about, you know, about my own sort of dormant love for this. And yeah. then um, I, of course, I, I went I asked my mom, I'm like, did we keep anything? You know, like, <laughs> do I still have? And, and God bless her, my mom kept almost everything. Oh, that's great. Put it up in the attic and like, you know, go up in the attic and there's like the, my old Vader case, like filled with every vintage figure I ever had. Oh. God bless her, you know, and, and she, you know, and she kept, and she kept, it. and I still had my Imperial Troop Transport, which remains my favorite vehicle, and uh, what else did she keep, and my, my vintage Falcon, you know, yeah, I still have my vintage running Falcon, and, um, but that's, you know, and then, you know, then I started getting into the books, and, and that sort of, you know, rekindled, you know, my, my fandom and my love for all this, but, but yeah. as far as how it's affected me, when I saw Star Wars in 77, that the, 
what it really awoke in me was you can you can do whatever you want yeah. with your life. You should you should and you should do something that gives you joy. You know that that and and the and the most important thing, the most important lesson I learned, and I, it, and I, I use this every day to this day, is trust your instincts. This time, let go your conscious self and act on instinct. Huh. And that yeah. has ne- and that that trust that taught me, you know that that was so, that if I learned no other lesson, Steve, from those movies, it was that little nugget of wisdom. It was trust yeah. your instincts because it has never ever failed me, my whole life and my career. And I, I became you know a journalist, you know sort of by accident and that's a whole other story but you know and it's a profession that i love you know i'm editor-in-chief of of an insurance magazine Mm -hmm. which is a lot more interesting than it sounds (laughs) (laughs) and uh you know and i and i have a you know and i have a i'm the boss and i have a staff of my own and and, you know i get and i travel a lot and it's you know i love and i'm one of the only you know one of my friends who i can say i i love what i do you know and that's you know that's through you know, just, just trusting your own instincts and, you know, following your bliss and, and, and being passionate about, you know, what you do and staying true yeah. to yourself. True to, being true to yourself and true to your friends. That, that, that was another life yeah. lesson that I, that I took out of it that I always, you know, that sort of informed your experience as a human being. You know, because oh, that's, that's what myths are, you know, like that, that's, that it's, myths of any kind, whether it's Star Wars or the Arthurian legends or, or whatever it is, it, it's, it's, it's a sort of a roadmap to teach you how to live, you know? Right. So yeah. Uh, that, it, it, and, and God bless him. Lucas, that's what he wanted. He wanted a, a myth like for, for us, you know, and that's, I'm forever grateful. Thanks again, Sean, so much for, for coming on and, and giving your story. Um, it's It was really entertaining, and I really appreciate it. Pleasure to do it, Steve. Thanks for having me. Well, the last ferry's about to head off, and it's time to wrap this episode up. Huge thanks again to Sean Moynihan for a really fun conversation that was sincerely tough to end. Up next, we'll be crossing the border into the Great White North for some Star Wars perspective from the Canadian capital of Ottawa. Until then, head over to StarWarsAtTheMovies.com for full show notes and images for this episode, as well as the current slate of content for the project, which includes the site's first feature article on movie programs and blog posts exploring the circus poster advertising graphics for the 1978 Star Wars re-release and the ancestors of Rogue One's war film promotional imagery. You can keep up with the latest updates by following the Star Wars at the Movies Facebook page and join the community at the project's Facebook group. And the site's Instagram handle is at Star Wars at the Movies. As always, feel free to send me an email at starwarsatthemovies at gmail.com. Thanks for listening, and remember... Relax. It's only a movie, and it's all for fun.